right. I'm gonna go pee. <sighs> I'm gonna get some more peanuts. Right back. I'm gonna blow my nose. Things I can't talk about on the internet sucks. Money sucks. The health sucks. It's just been stressful times. Oh, God, I relapsed. I relapsed. On something I quit for eight months. I'm not sure if I should... It was cigarettes. Yeah. I... Not smoked for like eight months, and I relapsed on account of all the stress that's going on. Ugh. Uh, hopefully, my co-hosts are doing better. I think uh, well, Joe Face is always busy, and I think Michael Pangelina, stand-up guy that he is, has gotten a grasp on his uh, mystery health issues. Might be an allergy. Anyway. Next up, you got a Ninja Gaiden OVA, which I didn't know existed until I was, I don't know, 19? Maybe like a decade after, well, well over a decade after the thing actually came out, but uh, it's the way it goes with anime sometimes. Anyway, thanks for indulging my complaining. Please enjoy. So, uh, in the previous episode, Riding Bean, Mike, you, you said, you described it as the most 80s thing ever. Now, has <laughs> uh, this anime usurped it? Or where is it in the pantheon of super 80s things? I mean, it's like super 80s, but like you just told me that it was from 91. <laughs> so... Yeah, but like like the, the one, much like I think, I want to say in our Hackers episode... We mentioned uh, antitrust being made in 2001, maybe not necessarily falling into the category of something we talked about. And I said, you kind of have the last vestigial bits of the 90s there. Yeah. The remaining bits of the 80s are here. Yeah. But I feel like it's almost all remainder. Because mm-hmm. usually around these, when you see things like this, you could... You could uh, you sort of feel you can see a little bit of where it's gonna go, like shit that was popular um, in the in the early '90s. You would see, but I feel like there's nothing really super '90s about this. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing that I really noticed. It all just felt super '80s. Yeah. 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 
especially the music and just all mm-hmm. the the you know the dark uh, New York cityscapes which is <laughs> they have a uh, it's interesting to see them sorry it's not interesting I'm not using that word anymore <laughs> take a drink we need to just make a drinking game out of it take a drink yeah. it's uh they the the whole <laughs> especially New York not just America but New York through the lens of Japan is always an interesting thing to look at because it's always yeah. crime filled and violent <laughs> but everyone's still like really happy <laughs> like there's that uh, little brief montage of the city uh, right before you get like maybe the scene that's supposed to help them pass the Bechdel test, but doesn't really because they're just talking about Irene's <laughs> life. But uh, oh yeah, just talking just about get these you. weird cuts of like various American stereotypes, including some really happy black guy with a guitar singing about something. I missed that. Yeah, I don't remember that part, but I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen, I've seen this thing way too many times. But yeah, I uh, I did notice the only time that it felt because it felt like pretty well researched as far as, far as visually it goes. But uh, the one time it pulled me out was when somebody goes to check a mailbox, and it's a very it's a very Japanese looking mailbox. And it says post on it. Hmm. Which we don't do. Post. Yeah, it's funny. I noticed something um, during one of my view one of my recent viewings. Uh, there's a scene in uh, Robert's uh, office. Jeff, uh, the big uh, bearded guy, is sitting there reading a newspaper. The and apparently, yeah, the mercenary. And the, and apparently the New York newspaper he's reading is the Daily Yami Uri. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I have no idea what that means or uh, if it meant something else. But, uh, that was in a Tokyo Vice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yomi Uri Shinbun was the... Shinbun is newspaper. Uh, Yomi Uri was the name yeah. of the newspaper. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just makes it even more hilarious. Yeah. Apparently, Jeff's really in the Japanese culture. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> I, I don't know if it came through uh, before when I was cutting out, but I was mentioning how um, how these OVAs are really, you know, they're super short and kind of straight to the plot, not a lot of character development, but. <laughs> Poor Jeff. Nobody really cared after he died. <laughs> like his buddy was just really happy to be out of the situation. And in fact, the first thing on his mind was, "Let's get married." That <laughs> was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you do know Jeff survived, right? <laughs> oh, I thought he died. <laughs> no, he's there at the end. He tells the little uh, pigtail girl to take a picture of them. They fucking take a picture of Ryu with a blood all over his shirt. 
Yeah, though it, it it is a little weird because they seriously set that up to be like, okay, yeah, he heroically sacrificed himself, and then he's just there. Oh, that's weird. But uh, but that stuff we'll get into uh yeah. before we do that, Joe. We did the mega happy ending. Yes. There was even a, a, a close up of them kissing at the very end. That was the most just mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of ending. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Japanese love to do that for some reason. They do. They love the almost. Yeah. Like, oh, I like you, but uh, I'm not going to say anything. And then they're like, I think she likes me, but she's not going to say anything, so we're both not going to say anything. They really was... like to drag that shit out. Yeah, they did that in Shenmue, too. It was really... It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just do it! <laughs> you turned was... into the shadow buff playing that game. Yeah, that's that's what it was like watching a fifty four at the Castro. Fifty four is about uh well the director's cut has a lot more uh, a gay romance in it. Mm. But uh and I gotta see it with Ryan Filippi and Breckenmeyer in the theater and uh at the Castro. It was packed. And every time they any time yep. they were on screen together, people were in the audience were just yelling, Just do it. <laughs> yeah, man. But, uh, but, 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 but Joe, uh, what was your take on this? Uh, it was kind of boring. I was, just, I, I was kind of tuning in and out. It was just, uh, it felt. I mean, going back to it, Mike was saying about it, just feeling super eighties. It was just a bunch of that and I just lots of killing and gore and blood and something about a some sort of hidden experiments blah 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 and it's just I I just I was like yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm done <laughs> it just uh, it was fine ninjas yeah monsters it was it was, it was what it Joe, was Joe Mike are, are are you guys taking the piss right now no did you guys just... switch places on me on purpose no. <laughs> what do you mean I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was, I mean, I once I kind of settled, I was like, oh, this is, so I'm kind of getting used to this whole OVA thing. It was just, it's just like, it is what it is, and it's kind of, it's fun to watch, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. Not really coming into these things looking for much character development <laughs> in 45 minutes when you have a cast of, like, seven people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, even the Baki um, OVA, I was very entertaining because it was lots of just action and yeah. just. But this was very kind of, and it, it's it's probably because I've seen so much of this sort of stuff already that it just seen it just seemed more of this typical, mm. you know, superhero man s- discovers yeah. hidden experiments, kills demons, saves yeah, girl. It was, it was uh, you didn't get a lot of time with. I feel like. We got to know like Sarah the best, and I liked Sarah, uh, but it was. I feel like we didn't we didn't get to know Ryu like at all. Like nope. we know he's he loves this this girl, and uh, and he's a ninja and he's devoted to his training, and that's well, about um, it. <clears throat> something to keep in mind too is that. This is meant to be a follow-up to the games, specifically taking place after 
the events of the second game. Uh, uh, hmm. The NES games, I should be clear. Is, uh, Damn. Yeah, there's um, another crop of Ninja Gaiden games that came out later on, and they made the uh, an already somewhat convoluted timeline even more convoluted. But uh, still good in some ways. They're so, good games. So it was on the assumption that you'd already played the games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was going to be exactly. my next question. They actually referenced some stuff from the second game. Hmm. Like, there's a point cool. where uh, Robert and Ryu are talking outside. Robert's hella pissed because Ryu's left him out of the loop. And they talk about finding some entity named uh, Jack U. And there's like a quick cut to some crazy monster holding a sword. And that was effectively the last boss of Ninja Gaiden 2. This this felt very much like the sort of thing if they did special editions back then. This would have been packaged yeah, with like that it would special edition. With something. Yeah. 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 That's what this felt like. But, yeah. That was yeah, one of like, the things I was trying to figure out when I was researching this. It's like, what what is the purpose of this? I've talked a bit about the reasons for OVA sometimes are just artistic ventures. Other times they're uh, promotional material. They're sort of like a test in marketing or they're just sort of a treat for the fans. And I can only assume this has to be a treat for the fans. When I watched it, look, look through it, it seemed like it could be a lead up to Ninja Gaiden 3. Hmm. Since Ninja Gaiden 3 features elements of like bioengineering and the combination of uh, technology and like demon shit. But uh, looking into that timeline, this is the reason why I say it was already convoluted. Apparently the events of Ninja Gaiden 3 take place between 1 and 2. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. I'm, I'm thinking that if I, because I've actually never, I was never into any of the Ninja Gaiden games. They just just, just I didn't really enjoy them at all. But I'm, I'm thinking that if I was really into them, that this, I could have, been, I would have been able to point out more stuff and connect more things to what was going on in this, and I probably would have cared a little bit more. I mean, I feel like if I were like a kid and I had just played the Ninja Gaiden games, and then I watched this, yeah, this would have blown my fucking dick off. Oh yeah, because back then yeah. we didn't really like. I remember. Like the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon was a big deal. Yeah, I was, it was just like, huge. it's like he's fucking real and he's moving around and he's talking. He's eating chili dogs. And we know what's going on. You're not just running through some shit and occasionally fighting Robotnik. You're like, he's got plans. Yeah, <laughs> they're so like happening. Yeah, so this must have been amazing to see. This came out in '91, <laughs> so. Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 were for the NES. Yeah, and uh, they stood out for two, primarily two reasons. One being that they were notoriously hard, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which uh, the sequel series tries to replicate. But the other is that they were one of the rare few games in that timeline, timeline time period to utilize uh, cutscenes. And uh, really elaborate. I want to say maybe the most elaborate cutscenes I've ever seen in an NES game. Hmm. Like, there's actually, it makes sense as to like why the OVA seems a bit nonsensical in there. There's a lot of plot 
in those uh, first two uh, Ninja Gaiden games. When did the third game come out? It came out around the same time as the OVA. I think they both came out in 91, which is why I originally thought um, it was like a lead-up. So, you know, I find out three is supposed to take place between one and two, in which case... Now it's just really confusing, and I guess maybe this OVA is meant to be a sort of epilogue. But this and this it, this anime ref you said it references the first game or the second game? Uh, mainly the second game, but in huh. referencing the second game, they're kind of referencing the first since they both have the same antagonist. Hmm. It's interesting because, like, watching this, I kind of I want to say it may just be coincidence, but I feel like there's some influence of this anime on the 2004 onward, the series of games that came out on the Xbox, in that both the fights in this anime, specifically in regards to Ryu and the uh, fighting mechanic in the uh, Xbox games, there's a I'm not sure if this sense will make sense, but there's like, like a really real sense of swordplay. Like you could you can you can sort of see how Ryu is skillfully wielding the sword. It's not just swing and then the bad guys will come at him. Like there'll actually be a few moves before he finally hits and takes these guys out. Um, did that come across to you guys at all? I wasn't paying that close attention, but I I just enjoyed it for what was. I mean, it looked cool. Like animation was really good. And I really like how it starts off. Um, I love it when uh, I'm a big fan of when things take their time, and it kind of does take its time in the first few opening moments. There's no dialogue. He's just kind of mm-hmm. moving around and fighting some shit. Yeah. And, uh, the lighting's really cool too. It's a good look at show. Mm. Uh, I'm kind of curious with uh, Ryu. At near the near the end, when he's fighting that demon monster person thing, his, the sword starts to glow. Is he? I don't. Once again, I don't know anything about these games or the characters. Does he have magical ninja powers, or why did the sword glow like that? So, it's mainly the sword. Um, okay. So I, I made it a point to watch the uh, cutscenes from games one and two, and I'm going to say at some point in two, the sword starts to glow when he's fighting against uh, one of the enemies who's wielding the dark equivalent to his sword. You see, the um, <clears throat> idea behind that sword is that it's made from the fang of an actual dragon dragons were supposed to be like the centuries old enemies of demons in this world. Dragons kind of sided with humans, demons sided with other like monsters and shit. There's been a sort of like secret war going on between the two which uh, people sometimes get pulled into. Um, It's interesting (laughs) and this will kind of bring me in and bring me into an issue I had with one of the characters is that uh the CIA is a really big presence in those NES games. <laughs> it's really weird. Which you wouldn't really think. Yeah, well... I kind of like that. But yeah, it's it's the interesting thing, finding out that, like, 
the the Ninja Gaiden games. Like it didn't went right over my head as a kid, but there's a very it's it's very much centered in the U. Not completely centered, but at least it's very fo- it's tied to the U.S. Let's say that it's yeah. tied to the states. The story actually begins with Ryu going out there, and I'm going to say every first level starts off in this like prototypical American city. And the uh, a, a beat 'em up game, which also called Ninja Gaiden, came out around the same time. I think all the locations were meant to be different parts of the U.S., like uh, Jersey, L.A., and Vegas are listed as locations in that game. Hey, good old Jersey. If there were ninjas in America, they'd be in Jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got a question. It's sure. time to talk about some oatmeal. Oatmeal? Yeah. What was uh, Itagaki's role in all of this? <laughs> if anything. At this point, Itagaki, <laughs> at this point, Itagaki had nothing to do with it. Really? Um, I think as close as it got is he made DOA, which came out much later, like later in the 90s, I want to say maybe around 90. I don't remember when the first DOA came out. But the only real, I guess, decision he had in regards to anything was being able to include Ryu Hayabusa into the uh, DOA lineup because, you know, these are both Tecmo games. I thought he created Ninja Gaiden. He created the 2004 series, not the Uh, original. Interesting. So who created Ninja Gaiden? Um, holy crap of all the things to not have in my notes. I don't think I have it. Hold on. No, I don't. That's weird. And what does that guy feel about Itagaki? That's a good question. Uh, Oh, crap. Crap, I don't have his name on hand. But, um, he does tie into some interesting information in regards to that. So, um... I think that primary story writer, I feel so bad not having his name now, but uh, so he was on hand for the first three games and just kind of off to do other stuff as this new Ninja Gaiden came out and was a good game, solid mechanics, but kind of like mucked up the uh, timeline in regards to the Ninja Gaiden games tying into DOA. Uh And so Ninja Gaiden... Three comes out. I want to say it's not necessarily three proper, but the uh, sort of update like Sigma or Black or no, no, no. Sigma like did you get in three? I think the like update version was called Razor's Edge, and um, in that one, you know, they added some playable characters, but also included some more plot points involving. Uh, well, they they featured a character named Sonya who appeared in two more prominently, and they brought in that story that writer from the original Ninja Gaiden games to work on this update, specifically parts involving the Sonya character. And you find out that the Sonya character is actually like a rebooted or redesigned Irene, who is the uh, girlfriend in the original series. And, they also make it a point to have other ties, like uh, Robert shows up at one point in three for like a cameo. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. So is Robert in the first two games? 
Um, he's in the second NES game. He plays a huh. prominent role there. Does he? Does that just play out in the cutscenes? Yeah. I don't think he has any presence in gameplay wise. Hmm. I kind of want to see that. Because mm-hmm. I think I've seen clips of it before, and I think it looks good. Yeah, it does. It looks two especially looks surprisingly good for an NES game. Like I watched most of the cutscenes from one and a lot from two. Two, I actually have some memories of playing as a kid, but um, the jump in like uh, graphic quality between one and two is uh, pretty stark. <laughs> Which is amazing since they're both using the same hard. That's cool. Was did they yeah. ever make a Shinobi anime? Uh, surprisingly, no. Huh. Like they kind of dropped the ball there because <laughs> I remember I know I had more than one friend who thought that uh, Ryu Hayabusa was Shinobi rather than Ninja Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always liked. I I wasn't too familiar with Ninja Gaiden growing up, like, at all. I don't think. I think I, I had heard the name and then it got big when it came out on the Xbox and stuff. But uh, I always knew Shinobi because of Surf Ninjas. Oh yeah, <laughs> chopsticks. Yeah. Uh, um. Um. Let's see. Let's uh, jump to that. I think I alluded before to an issue I had with the character of Irene, specifically her portrayal in this anime. Um, She's like fucking damsel-ass damsel, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that archetype itself, but Irene is not supposed to be that. In the game, she's a CIA agent, and I think in her first appearance actually manages to get the jump on Ryu. Like, she straight up pranks him. Huh. So why'd they make her not a CIA agent? Not only is she not a CIA agent, she doesn't even know how to hold the damn gun. Oh, yeah, she (laughs) seems real freaked out when she blows that monster's brain away. Yeah, I mean, mean, she at least shot him. But, like, even when she picked the gun up, I was like, that is not how a CIA agent would hold that thing. No, she was scared the whole time. Yeah. She didn't look like one either. Yeah, I'm guessing no. they just oh, forgot. They took some liberties. <laughs> no, I think they straight up took some liberties with this yeah. shit. Which I wish they hadn't. Why would they change a strong female character to a just a damsel in distress type setup? It's just come on. I don't know, Mike. Why do you think they would do that? Well, I mean it's fifty minutes. <laughs> I don't know why they would do that because it seemed like they were setting Sarah up to be like a pretty strong character it's like why didn't I, I don't know it didn't seem like they had a problem with a strong female character even though I mean I think this was kind of just a thing that was made for boys you know mm. there's a certain point where they're in the hallway and they're just like hell yeah violence beard women that's all I need <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like that little conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it was really just made to appeal to, and from my understanding, that's actually pretty. Um, in Japan, you know how their genres are set up. They have genres specifically for boys and girls, and 
Like it's very, very Japanese, very nice and categorized into certain things. Shonen. So, so I don't know. My yeah. guess is that uh, they separated for like grown men and women too. Yeah. So it's, I feel like this was definitely aimed at like teen boys, but I, I don't know. I don't, but to me, that seems like a disconnect between the writing team from the games and the writing team for this. Like clearly, like someone probably, I don't know. It was probably, I'm guessing it wasn't the same writer. Mm. Yeah, probably. It's it's just it. It bugs me just because, like, you don't even need her to get captured to manufacture drama. There's, like, already the, like, weirdly imperiled psychic demon-possessed baby to contend with. Like, oh, Ryu yeah. is on his way to save her, and then he's like, like, he's actually confused. He's like, Irene, what are you doing here? Yeah, see, I didn't... I was a little confused about that, too. I thought... I thought... See, I thought we were developing Ryu's character, and this was like a baby he failed to save in his past or something. And then she like shows <laughs> up at the end. I'm like, oh, she's there. So she's a psychic baby then. All right. Yeah. yeah. And the whole <laughs> what's the guy's name? Neil Fredrickson or something. Ed Fre- Ned Friedman. Friedman. That's a great villain name. <laughs> and then they they do the old bait and switch. The guy fucking descends from the rafters. <laughs> nope, I'm the real bad guy. Okay. Yeah. And I'm also the bad guy that you've been fighting for centuries. Yeah, I'm actually an aspect of the batter guy. That's right. It's weird. Ridiculous. He he says he says something kind of peculiar that we never get an answer to. Um, When he's talking about, uh, yeah, of course, uh, Ned joined me when he saw the crazy power he could wield. Though at first, I had to kidnap his daughter, and after he, you know, displays the kidnapped baby, he uh, and right before he kills Ned, he describes her as uh, our. Hold on, I think I have it in my notes here. Wait, so that baby was the president's daughter? That was Ned's daughter. And uh, uh. Uh, the the uh, evil uh, surprise villain describes her as our important daughter. <laughs> our being the operative word here. So I kind of... Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing this has something to do with her being possessed by, like, maybe some aspect of that evil god energy or something, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a little confusing. Yeah, I was very confused about all the... <laughs> so, the Ned Friedman wasn't a bad guy? He seemed like a bad I... guy. Yeah, he well, they draw him skeezy looking as all hell. His uh, face is like 25% nose. But when they met him, wasn't he all like, yeah, I'm evil, and then he gets killed? Yeah, well, yeah, he's going on about the evil power and my biotechnology, and I'm going to do all this shit with the evil power. Yeah. So why (laughs) did the guy need to take his daughter hostage to persuade him? 
I think that's how he started. How it started, and then once he was like, the power was put in front of him. He kind of went mad with it. Huh. So the psychic baby. And it's about... not like, and it's not like he has a choice here because if he doesn't, kill his daughter. Hmm. What was up with the evil spying cat? I don't know. I'm not even sure if the cat's evil because it like. It seems like it's getting hella weird towards Ryu, but then it like, but then like ninjas show up, evil ninjas. So maybe that's what it was freaking out about. Yeah, those weird masked mannequin faced ninjas. Yeah. Fucking bio freaks underneath. Yeah. <laughs> bio freaks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, the fights between Ryu and those things. And what I was saying before about the sword play coming through really showed there to the point that, like, after I first watched this anime, all yeah. I wanted to do was just walk around with a sword <laughs> and fight shit. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of, it doesn't seem like this would be the case, but it kind of reminded me of how uh, on the Ninja Turtles cartoon, the foot were robots was there yeah. would would they have had problems if those were just people it doesn't seem like it because other stuff didn't seem to have problems it, it's funny because uh um, i think i saw earlier episodes where the foot actually were people and they kind of had to dance around the use of leonardo and michelangelo's not michelangelo uh Raphael's weapons yeah since they were bladed and they didn't want to show them cutting things, so they'd like cut their clothes off, like, or cut things around them, or just use the weapons to block and then kick yeah. or punch. That's and eventually weird. they went to robots because now you can just you decapitate them, chop them up, slice them. Yeah, <laughs> no one cares. Like, They're not real. Yeah, I went back and rewatched the first few, uh, like the first season, a little while ago, and I, I thought they were robots. But I'm not sure. But I know that that was a big problem in the uh, in the movies. Mm. They didn't even uh, Leo and Raph. I don't think even pull their weapons out in the second movie. <laughs> yeah, they mainly use them defensively. And I think even in the first movie, you rarely see Raph. I think the only time I can remember seeing Raph with the weapon out is uh, when they're fighting Shredder. Mm. I think Leo does manage to cut him. Hmm. Shredder. Sarah was hot. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> that outfit, that hair, <laughs> shit's on point. That that, that uh that a uh, grade A Angelina woman. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's good. And she's a journalist. Ladies. Successful, too. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. Like, I really did think she was going to get to go with him when she uh, <laughs> tears the skirt. Yeah. That was I, dirt. Yeah. I was trying to remember where I'd seen that before. And I finally remembered Naomi does that in MGS4. But when she did that, I was just... She, they don't make a deal out of it. She just does it. I was just like, why did she do that? So she could run... But I guess that is why. <laughs> but yeah, they totally made it seem like they were setting it up to where she'd, she'd do the, you know, 
she'd show up then like save somebody or something but it doesn't happen it's like why was that scene even in there (laughs) i guess because they had the did she ever show up in the games at all no i think she's exclusive to this anime as is jeff weird (laughs) why would they why would they butcher irene and then add her in and not just give irene a bigger role yeah like Irene can at the very least use a gun and I think she's listed as like an analyst within the FBI so like they could have had Irene being the one to gather the information Sarah gets they mm. don't I don't know maybe they just needed to have a blonde woman <laughs> La Silla. yeah it's uh, I don't know it's entertaining in spite of that. Uh, I think we touched on it a little bit, but my favorite scene in that whole movie. <laughs> uh, you guys want to take a guess as to what that is? Uh, guess, Joe. Mm. Huh. I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess... Uh, let me see. Let me think. Let me brain blast. <laughs> it's uh, it's when ah, it's when uh, Sarah and Robert go and talk to the uh, the guy <laughs> with the mustache and the mullet. Ah, <laughs> uh, close. But not really. <laughs> no, it's obviously the most 80s part of that 80s movie. Where uh, Jeff and Robert storm the building on the motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do the fucking Ken and Ryu uh, <laughs> double bike ride. Yeah. yeah. Accompanied by the most... Uh, over-the-top synthesizer theme of justice I've heard in a while. Yeah, it's pretty good. It is very, Jeff especially, very 80s-tees. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's funny, though, the most, like, not only just the most 80s thing, but the most, like, American 80s action movie thing is followed by, at least it seems to me, like, the most anti-moo-ass shit ever, where Jeff's, like... I could feel it in me. The demon is coming back. Oh, yeah. Mm. He's just sitting there. (laughs) For how fast it moves, it's very strange when it decides to do some character development and who it decides to develop. It's like Jeff is so (laughs) inconsequential. It's like, why? Okay, you're a mercenary with PTSD now. All right. (laughs) Okay. Or maybe that was to make us feel bad for him when he got fake killed. Yeah, I think so. And like establish some sort of bond between him and Robert when Robert immediately tries to cheer him up while mowing down blue werewolves and uh, whatever the fuck else they were fighting. Yeah. A lot of weird shit. <laughs> yep. Seriously, why, why, why blue werewolves though? It's 
the more I watch, the more I watch that, the more it can. <laughs> Blue werewolf sounds like a lucky charm ingredient. Green clovers, red hearts, and blue werewolves. Yeah. I guess I could see it. Maybe more in some Count Chocula. Mm. Yeah, that would make sense. Joe, you're so quiet. Well, I honestly don't have much to say about this movie. I just... Say something. What? It's, yeah, say it's... something or you're fired. I... It was... It was a... It was a movie. I, get... I don't know. It was... At least when Mike doesn't think he goes into like immense depth about it, like like seriously, Joe, try and tear it a new one. I think Joe is just asleep. No, it's just there really wasn't much there. <laughs> there wasn't any, there's nothing there for me. It's, it oh, was just geez. I don't know. I mean, I I love that Mike was able to pull it apart as little as he could, but it's just they're really. It just felt like it. I don't know. It just oh, Jesus, somebody give yeah. me a new co-host. I can't, I can't work with this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'll be in my trailer. I just don't have anything. Oh to, God. Um. Let me. I'll think of something. Uh <laughs> Fuck. All right. What What about that scene? It's <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I guess I got uh, I got one question. I guess uh, why That's did cool. he say not to report the? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. What the babies? Fuck the yeah, <laughs> and he said this is my destiny or some shit like that. And it's just was he trying to protect? I, I mean, what was the deal with that? Seemed kind of silly to me. Yeah, at that point in time, I think he realized that rather than this just being some unethical science-related shit, uh, this was actually full-on uh, the work of the ancient enemies to his uh, clan, mm. you know, basically. <laughs> like, this is directly tied to these demons, and uh, anything involving these demons is like a world event. I mean, case in point, when Ryu fought them in the games, the CIA was involved. <laughs> they had yeah, it's still silly. Uh, like at one point in, in the second game, Jeff runs up on the then antagonist and is like, don't, don't bother trying to escape. We've got this temple surrounded. Huh. The implication being, yeah, the U.S. military is now on the scene. Bum, bum, bum. Lassia. Uh, I guess something else is I thought he was gonna fight that little girl at the end. I guess that didn't happen. Yeah, kinda, I guess like when you consider that there's no real follow up, that 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 weird bit where the little girl's got the piece of the demon and she starts glowing and shit and looks like she's gonna go super saiyan is supposed to just be like, and the battle continues type thing. Well, that's when my eyes got wide. I was like, oh shit, he's gonna fight a little girl! And then, yeah, it, and then it ended. This fight with the Pope. That's right. And then when I saw, yeah. this is kind of random, but when she, at the very end of the movie, when that, was it a, a dragon claw or whatever? I don't know what that was. Demon. Demon claw. Demon it, it made me think of Jurassic Park with the raptor's claw. I was like... Yeah. Starting to think of that for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like. Yeah. 
And those robot ninja things reminded me of the putties. I was kind of yeah. waiting for them uh, to say like blue blue whatever. They were just like, cannon fodder. Pretty much. Yeah, they may have been a bit more lethal than the putties though. Yeah. It's funny watching this made me think of more of other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's the type of thing that a lot of people probably saw and it made a big impression on them as a kid. Mm. Um and probably you know, inspired a lot of people to go into animation or want to tell stories or whatever the fuck. But it's definitely from a, a certain place in time. Yeah. Yeah. If I was playing the game, I, I would, I'd be so in love with this thing. Yeah, but you'd have to play the game. I know, that's what I said, if I was playing the game. It's very, this is... Uh, this is uh, definitely some old Taku shit. <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore. No. no, they don't. And some some of that is is good that they don't do certain things, but it's mostly like, why don't they make shit like this anymore? <laughs> like, I do miss it. Like it no... seems like anything that gets made now, it's always very deliberate in an obvious direction. You can see. Where the demographics, you know, where the studies were done, who they're catering this to, what mm-hmm. subsections, okay, who's this character for, yeah. who's that character for, because it's all done now. Everything yeah. has to turn to profit, a certain amount of profit within a certain, but it's very, it's a lot more strict. There's not the freedom we kind of came up in. And mm-hmm. I want to say that makes us otaku a bit uppity in some ways, but. Maybe rightfully so. Yeah, I think so. It's just... I don't know. What was, like, the most recent... You know better than me. What's, like, the most recent bloody-ass violent anime to come out? Bonus points if if it's actually good. I can't think. I don't really think there really is. I can't think of... Uh... Well, there are some things, some instances where you'll have this just because Japan likes to... There are some uh, franchises that are iconic to the point of being institutions out there, sort of like, you know, there's some cartoons out here that are like that. like yeah. Ninja Turtles, for example. Yeah. Simpsons. It's like, there's always some new... There's always some kind of generation... Every generation has some kind of Ninja Turtles to call back to, I guess I should say, since its inception. And uh, so, like, a new Fist of the North Star might come out in Japan, and that's very much uh, 80s hyper-violence and craziness. Um, it was inspired by uh, Mad Max and Bruce Lee films. Very much a product of their times. Uh I want to say the most recent is probably uh, they did a series based on the manga JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in 2012, and I think it's still going on. Getting up to, I guess, what'll be like the third, no, fourth season. It's also based on part four of the manga. How's the animation? Uh, Really good. Mm, that's good. It's really a high budget. Well, even then, though, that is kind of like a meeting of the two worlds, 
rather than you know going back to the old school yeah i don't know if we're really going to be able to go back to it the way we used to i mean not unless japan gets a gets stupid rich again yeah like they did in the 80s i don't know <laughs> i missed it there's a lot of great like fujiko looked amazing but even our animation it's just i don't know you know what we grew up with was so special and just like rough around the edges and just felt organic like ninja turtles and the fucking yeah. i'll never the the i think we've talked about this before but the biggest jarringest example of that for me is uh Batman, you know, the Batman adventures before and after they did the big switch. Oh, yeah. You know, because they had, like, really great, like, you know, squash and squeeze back in the day, and then it just got super rigid when they made it. See, they they did Superman, and they made Batman look more like Superman. It just kind of sucked the soul out of the animation well yeah they had to they had to unify the art styles because they wanted to have them cross over yeah uh, not even just the two cross over but have their villains cross over have elements yeah. cross over, i should say yeah it was cool i mean that was the beginning of setting up like the dc animated universe but yeah. i i still i just really miss that old that little that old series has so much soul it's just amazing even well, the performances um, were better. Yeah, well, for sure. It's something I've been saying about Batman as a whole is to do him justice, you have, have to do him two ways. One where it's just Batman and another where he's in the DC universe. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say the same could be said about the Punisher in Marvel. Yeah, but I, I got excited recently. I was looking at comics somewhere and they had people are writing um, new stories set in that old Batman universe with that old older art style and I and I opened it up and there was uh, Superman was there and he was somebody drew him as if he were in the old Batman not old but you know the before the switch they made him fit in with that old Batman I thought that was cool that's cool yeah, that's pretty sick. I I guess it's just expensive, you know, to hand draw yeah. everything these days. Everything's computers made everything quicker and easier and cheaper. Yeah, initially yeah. it was just like computer assisted stuff, but as time went on, it just kind of became all computer, and yeah. you lose a bit of the charm. Yeah, even if it's all still hand done and, and frame by frame done, it's still they would do that on a computer rather than scan cells. That's you got to pay for paint and the cells and then the labor to scan it and draw all that shit. Yeah, yeah. it's just this the is, thing she'll lose uh, lose to progress. This know? is thirty. This is what thirty looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Jump of cables, you're almost there. You will be uh, by the time this airs. Yeah, I was about to say, the time of this, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, what is my life? <laughs> All right. 
recommendations. <laughs> um, a lot of the there's there's a lot to like here that you'll find in things we've talked about before. The ninja element, uh, very similar to Blood Rain. Um, the hyper 80s element, very similar to Riding Heat. Uh, I want to say, like, I'm trying to think of something with like a crazy over the top plot. And it's, I feel like I can sort of recommend Angel Cop in regards to that crazy zigzagging shit, but uh, Angel Cop is notoriously terrible and maybe secretly or not so secretly racist. Uh, <laughs> I'm saving that for a special month. <laughs> Where we will also watch uh, Mad Bull 34, <laughs> which is also batshit insane. Let me see. Let me see if I can think of something besides. Um, well, obviously, Vampire Hunter D would be another one. Just a lot of crazy, over the top 80s animes. Uh, what's it? Oh, Demon City Shinjuku. Check that one out, too. Uh, we'll review that at some point. Sorry if I've said it. At all weird during this recording, ladies and gentlemen. I got something of a sniffle here. I've actually been pretty congested this whole time. Please forgive any mouth breathing. Uh, Joe, Mike, you guys got any recommendations for the audience based on this? What do you think, Joe? Was Dirty Pair Flash is that nineties or eighties? I can't remember. That's nineties. Nineties. So, though the original. Dirty Pair series came out in the eighties. Yeah, uh, that yeah. definitely had a lot. It's of... very eighties, a different direction. Yeah, you're right. That's that's more like it's it's worth watching. I like police partner thing. Anyway, uh, huh? Ninja Scroll? I, that's would that be in the same? The ninjas, um, yeah. very uh, very pulpy protagonist there. That's something mm. I like about Ryu in this. Is he's uh, maybe the most grounded I've ever seen him in the same way. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of. It's not It's not a bad recommendation. Uh, Mike, you got anything? Mm, yeah, it's not an anime, though. There's no a, problem. So it reminded me of this movie. Uh, I think it was maybe the first movie that Ridley Scott did right after Blade Runner. It's called Black Rain. And it's kind of the opposite of, of this, where it's a American cop who has to go to Japan. It's played by Michael Douglas. His partner is played by Andy Garcia. Uh, and it's a really just like it's a gorgeous film. It, it has a very similar aesthetic to, to Blade Runner. And it's it's a s- slow movie. It's really good, um, but he he like goes over there and takes on the yakuza and and just kind of the look remind me of it. And it's like and it's super eighties. Um, it's 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 very eighties, but it's it's really badass. It's a good movie, overlooked for sure. Alrighty. Um... Yeah, I think that's about it. Um, any uh, parting words for the audience? Mm. 
eat my butt. Yo. Oh. Kaka. I would say definitely watch this anime, especially if you want a nice 80s feel. It really gives off that vibe very strongly, so it's a good watch for that. Okay, okay, Mike, enough. I've got I've got the perfect closing words. Uh, we like fighting, we like drinking, and we like women. Some of us even like men. We work on the parts that we can and somehow get along in spite of it. It's not just you. All right, let's go get some beers. Was that the full dialogue? Or less. I kind of fucked it up near the end, but uh, <laughs> I made it a point to remember it. It left it left an impression on me. Did they really say some of us like men? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, yeah. You guys like what Joe and Mike did to me there? <laughs> I was not expecting that. Anyway, we're gonna roll. Special thanks, as always, to Submorphine, the creator of our opening theme, Synthetic Highway. Check him out on SoundCloud at uh, soundcloud.com slash submorphine, S-U-B hyphen M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. Thanks also to Squareon, the creator of our promo theme, Anime Raku. Check him out on Facebook.com slash Squareon, S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. You'd think I'd have the spelling down by now. The Squareon's got a flash project he'd uh, like me to plug, like always. It's uh, Project Stick, partnership. Check it out on Facebook.com slash Project Stick. Sorry. I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Um, Holy crap. I uh, always listen to Synthetic Highway when I record these things. (laughs) And I was going a little long, so I had to re-up the music. We'll peek behind the curtain. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good night, people. Should we sing him happy birthday? Yeah, but holy shit. Yeah, we don't give a fuck. Let's just do whatever. It's like swinger shit right there. God damn, yes. Anyway, I'm getting excited. <laughs> yeah, a little too excited. I'm a good teacher.